This is Transistor.fm. Hi, I'm Justin, and this is Product People, the podcast focused on great products and the people who make them. And this week, I'm joined by a man, a man named Chase Reeves. We're going to talk about the business they're building over there at Fizzle.co. But first, let me quickly thank our sponsors, www.sprint.ly. If you want to bring transparency and sanity to your development process, you need Sprintly. It's agile project management that actually works. I switched from uh, Pivotal Tracker to Sprintly years ago. And uh, since I've done that, it, it literally changed our company, the way we organize everything. Now, instead of a disorganized backlog, I know exactly where each task sits and who's responsible. So you can try it for free, www.sprint.ly. And then after that, you get 10% off with this coupon code, ProductPeopleTV2013. Next up, are you creating an application that needs charts or a dashboard? Fusion Charts is a JavaScript charting solution trusted by developers around the world. They have tons of interactive and animated charts with advanced features like tooltips, drill down, chart, export, and zoom. And those charts, they work across PCs, Macs, iPads, iPhones, and even Android devices. You can download a free trial at go sorry at fusioncharts.com. Hey Chase! Hey, I love how you say JavaScript. I love it. JavaScript. What? Did I say it like a Canadian? You, you're very dramatic. You're very. You're, there's a lot of drama and pasta in how you say JavaScript. <laughs> oh man, oh man. You know, people have a hard time placing me because I'm I'm Canadian. I'm born in Canada, but my mom's from Ohio, and her family is um, kind of they're from all like southern states all over the place. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm, I'm like, uh, that's like the worst, actually, to have like a Southern American accent plus uh, like a Northern Canadian accent. <laughs> well, uh, what I like about your uh, your pasta is, uh, hey, what was that? Hey? <laughs> I don't know. That was very poor. But you also say Southern. Gosh, this is great. My wife's Canadian. We were talking before the show. And I, I just, I have very fond memories of living in Canada for a little while. And, and my some of my closest friends ever are in Canada. And I just, I there's, I just love the little, the little uh, idiosyncrasies of the Canucks. <laughs> now you're in Vernon right now, right? Yeah, Vernon, BC, okay. which is beautiful. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. I'd recommend anyone that ever visits Canada come to the Okanagan. Uh, everyone kind of stops at Vancouver, but I think you're thinking of Okanagan. Okanagan. <laughs> it's the Okanagan Valley. <laughs> but yeah, come on down here. It's beautiful. Um, I always wanted to do like a big ski meetup sometime, like have a bunch of people go to Whistler or Revy or, you know, any of the great kind of resorts we have here and uh, try to write it off as a, like a product people meetup. That totally sounds like something you'd like to do. Yes. That sounds right up your alley. Yes. So good. Uh, and I hear it's your anniversary today. It is. Happy it anniversary. Is. How many eight, years? Eight years. Eight years of, of, of marital bliss. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could even get into that a little bit later, because absolutely one of people's favorite interviews I've ever done was with Rob Walling, where I just kind of tripped over this thing um, with how he communicates with his wife. Yeah, and people wrote back and said, "Whoa, like that was so meaningful." 
Yeah. And I think it's because a lot of us are, you know, we have spouses or significant others and we're working away in the basement and there's some dynamics there, right? Yeah, absolutely. So before we get into all that, let's, let's just start with your story. Uh, how'd you get into this racket? This product uh, I was a like a self-taught, no lessons, webby, designery guy. I just liked to. Um, I don't know. I, I was thinking about it. I was looking at some. It, it's like we said. It's our my anniversary today, and I was kind of looking back at some old old blog posts from uh, like right now. Uh, the website that is my like you know sandbox blog is ice to the brim, and there's some old stuff there. But but like two versions back was a site called Write to Mean, where I was like you know. In, 2005 like just writing things um but as a young guy like not thinking as a writer i was like oh i'm a blogger look at me i'm gonna blog some stuff i'm gonna make an ah, i'm blogging but i had no idea like i i was i was a jesusy guy at the time i was uh basically playing music at church and being a youth pastor for a living and um but i liked writing and i liked kind of creating that emotional experience on the page with my readers uh, like both of them, uh, both family members, so it was <laughs> sort of easy, inside jokes and things like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I started fooling around with how to make my site look differently or how I wanted it to look uh, based on other sites that I've seen, and I just kind of – like the rest is history. Uh, I, I eventually you know, was working at media companies uh, as project manager, as sales guy. As Then I was at interactive agencies and was working as a project manager there. And then, again, forced into a sales guy position because I am kind of good at it, but it really doesn't live in me, the, the sales, as much as like the uh, – you know, this is called product people, right? Like yeah. I realized in the years of being in startups and in creating stuff, like I'm to, to a fault, I am a product guy. Like I fall in love like, – I, I was at a, a company in Portland and the boss there it was a very small company i was basically like the boss's right hand guy and he's he's so smart he's already made his nut multiple times and older guy and he's just like kind of bored and so he started this company and the, the dude nailed it on the head and it stuck with me ever since he's like chase you are too smart to be a sales guy not not that don't let that blow up your head what it, the problem is you fall in love with the technology you fall in love with what the thing is and you don't know how to shut up and take the sale and um, <laughs> since then I haven't allowed myself to be in any sales positions I, I, I do a lot of marketing and a lot of writing to the effect of like hey here's this thing here's what it's here's who it's for here's what it does but it's I kind of separate that from you know being on the phone in a sales sort of environment. Yeah, yeah. And do you think people kind of figure you're a sales guy because you, you're kind of outgoing and you like to talk and you're enthusiastic? Is that where that Yeah, comes from? it's kind of like, you know, in college, like everybody plays guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like in, in the business world, if you have any of those kinds of skills, they're like so hungry for like good not, – not in all the business world, right? Not in like Salesforce where they have like an industry of like having sales guys mm-hmm. um, but, or, or like Groupon or something like that, a very sales-rich environment. In environments where, like, you are doing, you're you're working with media, you're creating websites, you're you're doing stuff like that. There's a lot of techie, engineering, designy types in that crew, and there's not that many who can uh, talk to the client uh, across the table about what this thing is for, why they need it, why it costs so much, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I and I kind of I could grasp that. I, I did know how to do that, but but it was kind of wasting. It was soul-sucking, for, for lack of a better term, yeah. um, for me to kind of do that. Yeah. So anyway, so I, started, I started there, and, and eventually it was always blogging on the side. Finally got out on my own after working on a couple of startups, learning what I needed to there, and 
um, I was like, okay, I'm just going to design blogs for these people that I've gotten to know who have, you know, two hundred dollars to $500,000 a year businesses, but they're all like just based off of some old Woo themes, the WordPress theme or something like that. I was like, yeah, I'm going to create a brand for these people. I'm going to go around, spend the next couple of years just working with that crew. Um, and I knew them by name and I could, I could hunt them down and target them, you know, yeah. instead of like just throwing up a web page and hoping someone lands on it. Um, so I went for this real specific niche and, and I, I did the first site, which was with a guy called Corbett Barr. And that was redesigning thinktraffic.net. And then uh, by the time that was done, he wanted uh, we were we were in partnership conversations. Uh, I did a handful of other sites, but but those were sort of on the side while we were creating what is now called Fizzle, which is our you know training environment for for people who want to build their thing and, and like are dreaming of sort of supporting themselves and not uh, not having a soul sucking you know cubicle job or something like that. Uh, that's that's what we do. That's what I do now for a living. Is I basically help entrepreneurs figure out stuff I yeah guess. yeah now, now there's a bunch of stuff i could go a bunch of different ways here i want to go all ways i could talk about partners. it's like canada let's go all dressed <laughs> <laughs> so we could talk about you know how do you get into a good partnership we could talk about sales we could talk about whether work experience is uh important before you start your own thing i want to take a tangent that I don't even know if any of our readers, my listeners, are going to care about it, but I'm interested in it. Because you mentioned this thing about uh, church, and uh, I used to be a churchy guy, and it seems like I keep noticing this thing, that there's a lot of people that come out of uh, evangelicalism Mm -hmm. uh, that are creative people that there there seems to be something kind of baked in there where these people end up coming out and they've already had experience you know, producing videos and making websites and giving speeches and all this kind of stuff. And uh, I just wonder, what do you think it is about that? Like, what is yeah, it about? I, I don't know. It's it's true. I've said I've, I I wonder the same thing. Actually, Adam Clark and I got into it on on his podcast a little bit. That is uh, the Gently Mad. And there's actually, by, by the way, for anybody more, who else is interested in this GCC stuff, there's like a whole second episode of that that he's like, I can't really publish this. But I'll put it on the website in case anybody clicks on it where we're just talking the GCC stuff. Um, but there's some you're, – you're bang on, Justin. There's something about it. And I think – I mean from my own story, it was a couple things. Number one, it was – you remember being an, an evangelical – like it's about an emotional experience. Yeah. It's about an emotional experience sitting there. You want to create that, whether you're a musician or you're running the slides or you're creating the talk or, or whatever. And the, so first of all, this sensitivity to that emotional experience, the desire for it. Second of all, and, and again, you know, not making any value calls on whether that's good or bad. Clearly, it's, it's – anyways, not making any value calls there. Exactly. But, yes. but um, then – then there's like the opportunity to like yeah you want to run the slides this day today okay sure get to church a little bit early and do that yeah. and, and, and like that's where I got to I had been playing music for a long time and that's where I had an expression I got to do that and girls would like me because of it and I was like <laughs> fired up yeah so gotta do that what's that I I I think the opportunity that's what I think about a lot because uh, we're not a, we don't my family doesn't go to church now but I keep thinking about that like how many opportunities I had when I was a kid. Yeah. Like, because people, you just had so many opportunities to say, you know, people would say, we, we need a video. And you could be a 12-year-old kid, and they would trust you with, uh, you know, producing that thing. Yeah. So I wonder if that's a big part of it, just giving 
you know, I you totally do. And it's also don't, don't forget, like, like these are people who are like kind of whether or not they're successful in it. They're, we're steeping ourselves in like s- some thoughts about what matters, what you know, and, and some sort of existential questions. Yeah. Right. So and I think those kinds of questions, what does it mean to be a human? Who am I? What am I here for? These lead towards creative endeavors. These these are where the cave paintings came from and, and things like that. You know, like, first of all, there was the very first tools we made. There was how do we club this animal over the head so that we can chew on it? Um, there's the utility of, of being alive. And then there's like, what does it mean to be alive? And, and I think that's what we start to see in the, in the caveman drawing stuff, right? Again, mm-hmm. I'm not a smart guy on this. But we're people who, who are seeing these, having these experiences. Like I, I'm no longer, Jesus and I are seeing other people. But uh, I had a lot of real experiences there and a lot of real shaping and defining moments um and i'm extremely grateful for what came out of that time or or who i am i I see that all as being a big shaper in who i am today and the way i look at the world and i have nothing but love for that even though you know i i like to kind of sleep around with with maybe you know buddha he's always got good drugs and stuff (laughs) and and he watches cooler movies than jesus and um but anyways jesus and i are seeing other people and I just though I am I am still grateful for everything. Like every once in a while, we we'll we'll snuggle from time to time, you know, mm-hmm. because I think there is something in being a, the kind of person or, or being in an environment where you're brought into a community who is asking these questions and and like experiencing these, whether or not the experiences are good or bad, but just like at least having these sorts of questions about who am I and what am I here for, you know? Yeah, yeah, and I think a lot of people don't re- like. There's a few kind of notable. Uh, entrepreneurs that came out of that whole environment. Uh, Kevin Rose is one. Is he really? Uh, yeah. Ryan Carson is another. Oh, yeah. Oh, you could see it on Kevin Rose's face now that you mention it. Yeah. Like, He's so freaking wholesome. Yeah. Las Vegas uh, Evangelical. They, they, he has a great foundation interview where him and uh, Ryan Carson talk about that. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. That's, you know, that, that uh, I, I just thought that would be interesting to talk about. Uh now let's talk about, I want to talk about partnership. Mm, yeah. I think about this a lot because uh, I think naturally I'm a guy that really likes to do stuff alone. Yeah. And uh, so what was it about working with Corbett that you kind of felt like you guys somehow got aligned and then walking in the same direction together? What, how did that happen? Yeah, um, there's like, I had a conversation with a guy called Charlie Gilkey a while ago, and he runs a site called Productive Flourishing. He lives in Portland, and I was there at the time, and, and so I, got, I went out to lunch with him. We knew some of the same people, but he, this guy's real, he's really, really bright. He's really smart. Um, like, I think he has more than one PhD. Like, not just like he, he's, he's got good people skills, like, he's like bright, like yeah. super intelligent. And he said something there that stuck with me. It was, um, <clears throat> it was something about, the, to the, it was something to the effect of, I would love to do something with those guys. I was talking about doing some of this like co-op type project. And he's like, I'd love to do something with that. But they're all just such lone wolves. And mm. and it just kind of stuck with me, not only be, because of that wonderful speech in The Hangover where, um, where Zach Galifianakis' lone wolf crew grew, grew by one. Uh, but um, what's this? Could it be? Yes. My lone wolf. My lone wolf crew has grown by two, um, or something. I can't remember the things. I just I'm giggling just thinking about it. But uh, but that lone wolf feeling 
has always been where I've where I've been. I've always been a lone wolf. Uh, whether or not I've labeled it as such, and not that that it has any negative connotations, it's just like I would like to build it myself. Why? Because I feel like I can, and I like I know that I can, and it's probably going to be better if I just do it myself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when Corbett and I started working together on, we did the little project of, of designing, redesigning Think Traffic. Um, we were getting to know each other, like in, in a personal sense, and then nothing, nothing creepy, but um, <laughs> but we 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 talked on the same level. Like we met at a conference at the bar, and I was ordering a Fernet, and he knew what that was, and and was like getting fired up, and we started taking shots of Fernet together, and. And before so, you knew it, you guys were in the same hot tub together. Next thing you know, did you know there are hot springs right outside of L.A. and you're not supposed to wear clothes in them? Anyways, we woke up a couple weekends later <laughs> and got in touch with our wives and told them where we were uh, and had been. But uh, we, we, we got on on a personal level. I was like, okay, this is interesting. Um, and that was before we even started working on the, on the website. Then uh, our wives got on on a personal level. They started to become friends and that was a big deal for me um and i mean it just you know what it's like i mean partnerships so partnerships are crazy they're marriages they're Mm -hmm. really hard and when you look at the statistics i don't know i i have a handful of friends who have had brutal partnerships blow up in their faces really like horrible stories but then you look at you know the 37 signals guys you look at uh you know fred wilson and his partner you look at uh yeah i don't know there's you see these these duos that are doing important things and they're doing it well um so what happened for me with corbett is he clearly had his own frequencies of expertise and they were different than mine he clearly had his voice and knew what he was good at and they were different than mine and this is something that you see very clearly on on our podcast um and i i just we just lucked out because there's three of us it's corbett and myself and then our buddy Caleb, who's also working on Fizzle and Think Traffic with us, he's a part of the crew. Um, and we all just operate in different registers of the frequency spectrum. Uh, if you follow my drift there, where, yeah. where Caleb has his own like like sort of straight man personality. Corbett has a, a lot more like intelligence uh, and um, sort of and, and just real life experience. He's been doing this stuff for a long time. And I'm just this golden retriever who's just fired up about everything, super emotional about everything. And the way we bounce off one another just ends up being great. Well, that's the closest like thing I have to explaining why I felt like the partnership with Corbett would be a good thing and, and not a and not blow up in our faces. Because and then and then you go through the negotiation of the stuff, and it's harrowing. Like here's this guy you're getting close, kind of close with on a personal level. You're like basically in negotiations with you're 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 thinking of marrying each other for the rest of your life. The dream is you're going to marry each other for the rest of your life, right? Yeah. And and you're going to make great stuff, and and you're going to be like those two super rich guys in trading places, and you're just going to like make bets about like what you can do to poor people and things. Like that's the dream. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but. You also have all these stories where it just goes so horribly wrong, and you know human nature, you know yourself, you can picture how this is going to go, and yet, and yet you you can't think through all the variables enough. So, uh, and one of the things my an old an old mentor said to me is like, just expect that this is not going to work out. Expect that in five years you will not be doing this, mm-hmm. and plan accordingly. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, everything's going great. But if you expect 
that everything's going to fall apart in five years without letting that sort of infiltrate your behavior now and make it such that, you know, a marriage where you're like, where you're expecting to be screwing other people in a few years, like, isn't going to work out very well, um, you know? So <laughs> That's right. That, that, thank you, Justin. Uh, <laughs> so, I don't know. These are all, I'm kind of... Vent, like well, you've, hit, is, you've hit a nerve here because yeah. it's, it was it was really a and then going through the negotiations was really really harrowing and stressful. And we've come through it and it was good. We're stronger and better now because of it. We really are. But man, that was like some vulnerable stuff because Corbett had built Think Traffic into a into a beast of a publishing site, basically really big audience, lots of loyalty, a very large, very engaged audience. Right, it's this dream. Um, but then he saw what I could bring to the equation and and and. I guess one there's okay. There's one tip that I have here. Can I can I get into yeah, this? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the tip that I had was it took me a long time. Like I thought I was hot shit because I, because of Lone Wolf because I knew I could go build all this stuff that we're talking about building together. I could go do it by myself, just like Caleb, just like Corbett could go build it all himself. You know, mm-hmm. that's I had to let go of of that, and I had to kind of own. And, and retreat back into these frequencies that I knew I could do really, really well. I can be the heart and soul of this business. And I could, and, and Corbett could absolutely be the mind and intelligence of it, right? Mm-hmm. And it, I kind of had to pull back my tentacles from all of these exterior places. Like, yes, I could create the website. Yes, I could write the content. Yes, I could create the business plan. Yes, I could create the unique value proposition or whatever, all this Mm -hmm. other bullshit that we do, right? Um, I knew I could do all of this stuff. But if I pulled myself back from that and, and became a little bit more of an apprentice of Corbett for a while, because, you know, he built the thing. So I'm starting at a much lower percent and investing over time, right? Again, I'm I'm the dumbest guy at math. I guarantee you, of everyone listening to this right now, they're all at least smarter than me in math. And if you um, go to our website, you can take the math quiz and see how you rank up against Chase Reeves. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I'm looking at these. I'm trying to understand vesting and all this other stuff. And I'm just like – and I and I get it now, I think. Maybe. I probably don't. But but I just started trusting Corbett you know, and just saying, okay, what you know. I, I've got to do my due diligence on this, but if I try to harrow down every single detail, that's because we're young and we don't have a whole lot of money on the table. And and frankly, if I do this for five years and I learn everything that I learned through it and come out on the other side with nothing except for having five years of working with guys who are really, really smart and good at what they do and and experience building a business and doing all this stuff, if I get kind of Buddhisty about it and be like, can I be grateful for this stuff? Like, Then, then yes, let's move forward, open hearts, back and open hands, make something important, let's make something we care about and, and see how we, how we can do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, because when you get really anxious about like protecting yourself mm. and putting up those walls around the garden, it's like, I don't know, things just get shitty. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, if I'm honest, there's two kinds of things I think about here. Uh, one is I, I've been in – so when I was uh, in my early 20s, I opened up a couple of snowboard shops with a, a buddy. Sick, bro. And the, the, the problem that I ran into was I was not a very good partner because I was so used to doing things on my own is that I wasn't willing to slow it down and bring him in to every decision. So, you know, like when you're by yourself, it's like you want to, you know, sign your shareholder agreement. You just do it, right? You just – Sign it away, or if you need to uh, launch something new or test something, or yeah, totally. And the I I I really uh, was not a very good you know the relationship kind of suffered because I just kept going out and doing all these things, and he was just 
you know, out of the loop, and it ended up being, you know, not so good. Um, have you found that? Like, you, do you have to really kind of hold yourself back in some cases and, um, you know, communicate and make sure everyone's on the same page? How, how does that work out? Well, okay, so not that I find that we need to slow ourselves down very much. Like, we're at this really magical we, – we, we lucked out right now, and our, our, our organization's very small. We're very nimble, and we have we have you know we do what we need to to plan our sprints and do the thing right. So, and beyond that, like each one of us is is really smart at what they do, really good at what they do, and and we just innately trust each other for those things. All right, mark my words. This might be a you know uh, a point in the podcast to say, hey, in five years, come back. Oh yeah, that's what got you into trouble. I don't know, yeah. right? But um, but in terms of communication what one of my things that i'm trying to do more that i think is is important that i've learned is you got to waste as much time as possible just talking and getting and, and and verbally chat is great when you're doing the work and getting this stuff but get on a hangout we go, get on google hangout as as often as possible and i just like to waste time doing that because um Things just things just grow and like as little snowball effects inside you, feelings about where the business should be going or this, that, and the other, and you got to have as many opportunities as possible for one of those things just to like fart out, um, mm-hmm. because because I think that's where problems can can occur. Um, and again, I, I'm not speaking a lot from experience here. I'm just kind of going off of what I think is probably a danger. Um, yeah. So when whenever we get a chance to talk, I, and 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 Corbett's like you know texting me or whatever like hey i'll be back at this time you want to get on the phone like even though there's nothing really to talk about like i'll be like yes let's absolutely do that i have important things to discuss and i don't have anything important to discuss um but and it's a, it's 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 inefficient right you're not like being a good bootstrapping lean startup and making the most of every goddamn moment but yeah. you you're you're going deep on one another and i think um i don't know the dream maybe the dream is sort of you you choose one another the, the dream partnership is you're as much into one another as you are into the business. And again, I, I, I mean, I'll wait till for Brad Feld to say that before I can quote it, but <laughs> with any sort of fucking certainty. But, uh, but it's something that I think might be one of these, like, you know, things that we take with us from our Jesus days of like going rich and, and deep on the people and, and, you know, not so much on the, on the, uh, on the outcome. So yeah. To speak. Well, and if I look back at that first partnership, the, the mistakes I really made were in isolation. Like I was just, you know, in my basement by myself working away at stuff. And I was like, wow, should I wait till tomorrow morning to talk to, you know, my buddy about this? Or, yeah. Ah, nah, I'll just keep going. And um, there's something humanizing, even in what we're doing right now, uh, there's something humanizing about hearing someone else's voice and just talking to them. And yeah. I think there is some a part of that that builds – uh, trust, which is, I, I think, ultimately what you need. Like, if I talked to, to my partner at the time and said, you know, got on the phone with him, I would have got off that call and felt like, well, I can't, you know, make all these decisions without him. He, that would be an asshole thing to do, right? I, yeah, totally. I, so I think that, that I think that's a good point. That kind of humanizing part is uh, important. When you had that the snowboard shop, was, was that before you had kids, or was that early on, or? Mm. Yeah, I mean that was the like, worst possible because I was also working full time and had we had uh, we had a couple kids at the time too. Okay. So Jeez, I love it. I love it. It's like no, we didn't just have one. We had two. It's like, yeah, we had a couple kids. But I yeah. remember like you know early on like when you're when you're hustling. Right now, I, right now I'm uh, 31, eight years of marriage, got a four year old, had a lot of shit happen the last couple of years. Like we're we're getting older. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and we're getting better at, like my, when I say we, I mean my wife and I. And I'm good. I've gotten really good at knowing when the right time to work is for me and when I'm just not allowed to. If I was young and hungry and, and, and single, Mm. It would be uh, really difficult to be in a partnership, I think, because I'd be working all hours of the night, unless we both were, uh, you know, and I'd, l- I'd dream of, you know, being some 22-year-old kid at Y Combinator, just like coming up with the next fucking, I don't know, some <laughs> something that's not going to make anyone money. But I got that experience, you know, I, yeah. like, bummer, I, I wish I would have been able to have that, you know, but maybe I'd be smarter because, I don't know, just because it'd be fun. It'd be like camp or some shit, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh but we don't have. I don't have that right now, right? I check. I clock in, and I know I'm going to get my solid four hours before lunch. Then I check out for lunch, and I come back, and then I go. Then I start handling email and support, and, and you know, basically, just do, dealing with dealing with things until the end of the day. Because I already did my writing. I already got my stuff done. Um, so go back. So, wait, just back up a bit there. So talk us through that. So in the morning, what's the morning for? What time do you start? And is that like production time? Well, yeah. So for me, morning's always the best, been the best time. I've always been an early morning guy, um, and then subsequently, this past uh, the, what well, I guess it was it was two months ago that we had a pretty horrible personal tragedy, and I needed to change my uh, uh, morning schedule to kind of support my wife a bit, and so I hung out with my son in the morning until around eight o'clock. And then, and then I got to work that. Normally, I was trying to get into the – I work from home, so I was just getting downstairs around 6, making the coffee, and just getting after it because I love that. There's something really that I, I get about that vibe where it feels like nobody else is up. It feels like you're, you know, Rocky training for his fight with Apollo Creed, and it's like <laughs> the music right, yeah. and everything's I coming to crescendo. Too. Like it feels great. But um, so since then, I haven't been able to get back into the 6 o'clock thing just because our personal life has changed quite a bit. So what Corbin and I are actually both doing, and we're kind of experimenting with both doing this right now, where basically there's no conversation until noon. You know, I start it at, I get in about 7.30 into my, in front of my standing desk now. I'm trying to go full standing, don't you know it? Because right I care about my lower back. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, the goal is we work on something until 12 or, or, or basically around 11. I find that like if you're really digging inside of you to write a thing and to put something out, you basically have three-hour chunk maximum mm-hmm. of, of serious written good stuff before you just you start it, it starts not producing as many good things on the other side. You're just digging into your well-being on the other side of you know five o'clock that night. Yeah. Um, so that's what we're working on right now. It's just we make something that's publishable before lunch, or we work on something that's going to be published before lunch, and then. Then we handle the fires. And we get a lot of support requests. We get a lot of uh, uh, inquiries about stuff. And we have a lot of things to kind of, you know, schedule with blog posts, this, that, and the other, all sorts of sort of editorial tasks um, and administrative tasks that we then try to do towards the end of the day. And that's when most of our meetings are happening. That's when we're drinking Negronis and recording podcasts. <laughs> and, and what time do you usually clock out? Right at five, my son keeps coming in like all throughout the day. Dad, will you check and see if it's five o'clock? <laughs> and so, uh, I, and I, I've thought about being. Yeah, I, I had one time I tried to be super upset about these little interruptions because I know about the importance of flow and all of these things. Um, but then I was like, oh god, he is adorable. <laughs> what a cool kid! God, he's a monster. And so, how how do you kind of manage that? Because I I actually. I, I could work from home, but I choose not to. I, I rent an office downtown yeah. just because 
I just found because you're it. in Vernon and it costs you about eleven dollars a month to do. Shit. <laughs> it's true. It's cheap. Yeah. But but for me, I just found like I just the I you know that having kids come in and you know and then you know uh, if you're at home, it's easier for you know other people in the family to say, well, I'm just, you know going out and doing this, or can you fix the dishwasher? Or, oh yeah, totally. So how how do you manage that? Is it kind of like you're you're with the fam until eight, and then you clock out for a good lunch uh, with the fam, and then you're going again until five. Or are you pretty flexible with that stuff? I am. I have worked very hard to try to get my wife to really respect the eight to five zone as like sort of sacred space, um, and and that's that's daddy time. Right? Mm-hmm. He's by himself. He's doing his thing, and throughout the day, I, I try to see them as little as possible. Suffice it to say. I, I will when I when I get to a place where we have the office. Like I will, I am excited to work from an office. I'm excited mm-hmm. to get up at six o'clock and clock out and not come home until five. And maybe that's deficiency within my character. Um, I'm willing to hear that, but I still really want that because I like. I always like being in an office. I like being downtown somewhere or something like that. Mm-hmm. Vernon downtown sounds beautiful to me. Yeah. Um, so. I, I, Best case scenario for me, we've got I've got a great workspace with a studio, and it's easy for me to jump up, record a video because we do a lot of video stuff and all this other stuff. But right now, I'm in my house. I've got a room. I've got a bunch of lights. I've got to move around and things. That it's like it's a real big deal for us to do any one of these pieces of content that we're creating. So um, it's a little bit of a tight spot, but it's it's fine. You know, for the most part, what's been key is getting my wife to. S- understand that this isn't really important to me. This is really like my space. Um, and of course my son doesn't understand that cause he's a monster and he only cares about himself, but <laughs> he, we're, we try, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think one thing I've thought about a lot is this idea of, uh, I think everyone's different, but that idea of kind of working and getting into flow is important, but eventually we do want to have kind of good lives with our families and stuff. And the, the one model that seems to work, I'm just looking at, uh, guys like Ryan Carson is eventually working yourself into a, a four-day work week if you can, and then um, giving your you know you can give your family one extra day a week as opposed to having you know a bunch of interruptions throughout. Yeah, but the difference between Ryan and me is his family is adorable <laughs> and they're great to be with. You know, that's the thing that Ryan will always have over me, um, and. Uh, so he's so good for you, Ryan. Must be nice. Um, in the meantime, I'm going to try. I don't know. I, I was actually just reading a post, an old, old, old post um, from 2009 about uh, old, old, old. Yeah, someone, someone who's really old on <laughs> the internet. That's so be like, old. <laughs> yeah, but for me, it's like it's long time ago. It's early post stuff, um, and I, I was writing about like I'm such a shithead. I really like my work. I really, really am so engaged and passionate about what about like getting the office and doing the thing. Like all of my personal interest is in work, and mm-hmm. not, and very little of it is in my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, you know, that was a little younger. That was like, where whatever it was, however many. Again, not a math guy, so I was younger. <laughs> fucking whatever. I'm at that age where you do that shit. Um, but but also, I didn't know who I was going to be. I didn't know my career, and I didn't know I was kind of job hunting and figuring things out. And that was really that made our first year and a half of of having a baby like st- ridiculously dumb. Like I'm an idiot, bad guy. Trust me for that. <laughs> but but I so I kind of feel for me back then, like putting all that effort into it uh, and really working hard because still to this day, like 
my favorite game in the world to play is build a business with Chase Reeves um, because yeah. it's just the funnest puzzle to put together to create an experience, to make something meaningful, to to do something that'll actually last versus like just another fucking website that you threw up or another client work or another this that and the other. Um, this is my. This is like my, I really love this game. I really love doing this stuff because um, it engages so much of me uh, to a fault. You know, I, I I know that that over the next several years, it's going to be more of like investing more and more in the family. Just, and that's what I've learned over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, and fi- so figuring out that balance because. If you know, if I go, I'm sure I could make up some parable about if I go super hardcore into business stuff, the work starts to suffer, and and just like if I go too hard into personal family stuff, like those relationships start to suffer. I certainly know that to be the case. Yeah, uh, you know. Well, you know, you brought up something that I wanted to talk about anyway, which is because you you mentioned uh, you just had a kid and you were out, you know, looking for work and stuff like that. And I wanted to talk a little bit about the struggle, you know, that that struggle in the beginning, um, you know, whether you're like if you're unemployed and you have, you know, a wife and kid at home, uh, there's a struggle of I got to get work. I got to get, you know, I got to get some income in here. And it's kind of like that when you start when you start a business like at the beginning, um, you know, I, I interview a lot of people and I talk to a lot of people. And it seems like some of those folks with a lot of experience that have been doing this for years and years and years, mm-hmm. they've either forgotten about the struggle or maybe they didn't have it because they were young and they had no expenses. But, you know, you've got a wife and a kid at the house. You've got to pay for those gluten-free crackers that you keep mm-hmm. talking about. You know? yeah. So tell me about that. Tell me about your building fizzle right now. What's that like? Like, did you guys start from zero dollars a month and you're just kind of building it up from there? Yeah, so... Well, I see two things here. Um, first of all is when I was, like, like a few years ago when I was young and trying to figure this out. And then there's the, the what you just said with the fizzle building. What was it like to, to, to build that up or what is it like right now? So I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll address both of these, uh, one after the, the other. <laughs> okay. Um, so the, first of all, I mean, going back a few years to, to watch myself try to figure out who I am and what I'm here for, like I feel for that guy. I really do. Like there, this is part of the reason why I love the work that I do so much is because I've discovered so much about myself through it. I mean, what what Jesus, what I was trying to discover in the Jesus stuff was the same thing. Who am I? What am I here for? And I got a lot of, a lot, got a lot of it there. Same thing with you know the Enneagram and Myers Briggs and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. I've always been kind of hungry for that stuff. Um, looking for insights about me because I always just kind of, I don't know, I felt like I didn't really know who I was. I didn't, or when I'd say something that felt like me, or maybe I felt said too many things that I didn't know if it was me or not. Right. Yeah. I, I feel like for an upper middle class Bay area kid growing up here, it's like, that's what the struggle is. And half the time you just like miss, you just stop asking the question because drugs are so fun. Other <laughs> times you just like stop asking the question because like so clearly this, this is the path that's set out for me to become an investment banker. Yeah, you know? Yeah. Here's the thing, Chase and I like to chat, and so this episode got long, and so we're going to break it up into two parts. This is part one. Come back next week for part two. We get into the struggle of starting a business or a product and just those initial weeks and months and years and what you can expect during that 
that period. So come back next week for part two with Chase. You can follow him on Twitter. He's Chase underscore Reeves. He's the guy holding the pineapple. You can follow me, Justin, on Twitter at MIJustin. And you can follow the show on Twitter as well at ProductPeopleTV. Uh, if you like the show, give us a review in iTunes. It's as easy as clicking five stars. Also, there's the ninth annual People's Podcast Awards. You can nominate the show if you like it at podcastawards.com. Thanks again to our sponsors, fusioncharts.com and www.sprint.ly. We'll see you next week. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.